creating cyberspace and welcome to episode 75 of the double density podcast with your host Brian angel double density your home to tech tales paranormal primers and an increasing emphasis on video game talk first things first angela we have a better sound than lance armstrong's podcast and this is a fact according to my very own flesh and blood my sister who uh, gave his podcast a listen we are of a superior sound quality how's about that there's no bias there being the no, fact that she's no. your sister no she's willing to to let me know when things are horrible very quickly. So, I, you know, I'm very proud of our decent sounding podcast. There's some pretty bad sounding podcasts out there. You made me listen to something by some guy who was apparently famous and it sounded terrible. Oh, the John Taffer podcast, the yeah, Barbershop podcast. Awful yeah, it was sounding. I couldn't deal with it. it. It seems like someone piped in a Skype call and just decided to use that. But it's his own podcast. He's like Skyping into his own show. I guess so. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> I, I don't know what the situation is. Uh, so with, with that out of the way, I think it's fair to formally announce that we're in the middle of video game season here on Double Density. And with that in mind, uh, let's get this thing started with some video game news. Video game news. Uh, first item on the docket this week is the announcement of the PlayStation Classic, which we're just going to mention in passing. I don't really want to talk about it until we have a full list of uh, games out there, but there uh, is Final Fantasy VII included in this bundle, which is a great deal. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about the PlayStation Classic uh, a little more when we know more about it, right? Yeah, it was just recently announced as this show goes uh, to air. Is that what we say? Sure. At uh, press time. Uh we might know more, but uh, this has uh, spurred people on to think that there's going to be an N64 classic because of a recent trademark by Nintendo. And uh, the joke with this whole PS uh, PlayStation Classic thing is that Sony's really just like whole, wholesale copying Nintendo on this. They even called it the classic, which is kind of funny. I'm not mad at that as long as I get polygonal video games at the end of my day. Like, I know that the graphics weren't the best, but I don't care. I'll, uh, I'll live with it. This is going to be great when it does come out, and uh, there's no N64 Classic coming out this year. That's pretty much for sure. Uh, They would have announced it a little earlier than that, but we'll see what happens. Uh, This is exciting. These retro things are probably making a lot of money for people. I know you've bought at least two of them. I I have, and uh, as soon as the N64 Classic goes on sale, I will buy, I'll add that to the collection for sure. They, I listened to a couple of podcasts uh, talking about uh, thinking the next thing Nintendo does come out with is going to be a Game Boy Classic. Uh, it was mentioned both on Radio Free Nintendo and 84 Play, which are two podcasts I enjoy quite a bit. And I think that would be a really good play by Nintendo because the Game Boy, I think, was their highest selling console. It sure was. Uh, I never actually had a Game Boy. Did you have one? <sighs> we... um. We had about five at one point. Oh my god, <laughs> Game Boy hoarders. So okay, let me explain why. Let me let me explain why. So you know, there's like weird grace period right after the end of a console's life. So for example, like right now, the PlayStation Three, right, um, where like it's kind of out of favor. Well, yeah, the PS4 has been out for five years. Right, but you know what I mean? Because uh, and then there's like that resurgence again, like in a couple of years that will happen. I guess when it goes really cheap. Right. Okay. Uh, so when that happened in the late nineties, my mother loved the aesthetic of the Game Boys and she used to pick them up for like a dollar or two, uh, at thrift stores. Oh, that's really smart. Actually, wasn't your mom like a Tetris champion? Yeah. She loved Tetris. And I think... Smoking and Tetris, her two favorite things. That's awesome. Did her Game Boy have like cigarette burns in it? No, sadly. She was very, very protective and careful of her, um, her gaming, uh, consoles. Did your mom quit smoking? No. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she has quit neither Tetris nor smoking. So. Okay. Well, 
That would be a must to have on any Game Boy Classic if they come out with one. Uh, my first Game Boy was the Advance SP. Oh, see, I, I didn't touch. I haven't touched the SP. I I bought a used DS, which is somewhere around here. I don't really touch it either. Yeah, the, my old white DS uh, is in my kids' room. Uh, my daughter plays Professor Layton on it, and uh, lately they've been both playing with my 3DS, which I actually still enjoy. And Nintendo's shockingly still supporting that thing. Which is good news, I guess, for longevity. Yeah, look, Nintendo does a decent job with that type of stuff. Let's switch from let's switch gears from uh, things that are available in the future and things we're imagining, aka the N64 Classic and the Game Boy Classic, to things you can actually play right now. And what I'm talking about, of course, is uh, Archive.org has a virtual um, arcade uh, with over 1,100 games that you can play r- right this second. They just added a whole bunch more arcade uh, emulation roms is that was the right term but they just added <laughs> sure. a whole bunch and uh it's pretty amazing that you just go on the internet click a button and you're playing old arcade games that required an entire cabinet before yeah the only problem i don't know if you've tried this out though is on a mac the corresponding buttons uh like the there's like a you can use the function uh, control option command keys but as you know uh, those are hard coded to switch between multiple desktops um, which became a problem when I was playing Moon, Moon Patrol before. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I suddenly opened up a second desktop while playing. Uh, so it's not ideal if you're a Mac user. Great if you're a PC user. Uh, there's a ton of like 80s and early 90s video games there. So go check that out right now. And the way I understand it is that it is legal because one, you don't download it. And two, archive.org is considered a legal library and it can lend these out. Oh, that's interesting how that works. I actually went back and played a game I have a lot of nostalgia for, and it's not exactly a terribly good game, but it's the um, real Ghostbusters arcade game. Uh, did you ever play that? Uh, no, but I've seen other people play it on the internet. Yeah, it's a Data East game, and it's actually based on this Japanese game that has absolutely nothing to do with the real Ghostbusters, but they shoehorned in the license. A Doki Doki Panic style kind of uh, situation? I guess, kind of, yeah. That's, uh, that's a good way to look at it. A reskinning? Yeah, and I have this weird memory of this game where, like, my grandfather gave me a quarter to go pick a game to play in the arcade, and uh, I played that one because it was, like, the one thing I knew. Where was this arcade? Do you remember? Near my house. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not too far right, from okay, my cool. house. There's, like, a little strip mall near my house, and uh, there was an arcade in there that I would go to from time to time. And uh, that same mall had a bowling alley where in the basement of that mall, there was a double dragon cabinet down there that I used to play a lot on. I think that game is the game I pumped in the most quarters to. That's very interesting. I, uh, I'm trying to think if I played a lot. Um, no, I think the, the first game that I had access to that I was enamored with was the South Park pinball game because before then there weren't really arcades around us. And oh my then God, a movie that's theater late. I know, I know. And then a movie but you're, you're young. You're a young whippersnapper. You were what, like 12 when South Park started? Uh, a lo- yeah, 10 or 11, yeah. Oh my God. I know, I know. I've been with it for 20 years. It's so funny that, like, now that we're close friends now, but back then, I would have been a creepy 20-year-old uh, yeah. trying to play <laughs> pinball with a kid. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that that's the angle you decided to take with this glorious yeah, story about is. nostalgia and memories and retro yeah. video gaming. But I uh, guess I was 10 with the real Ghostbusters, also 10 or 11. Okay. So. Speaking of uh, retro video gaming, uh, there's been some recent news that's been very exciting. Uh, so the Super Mario Brothers world record uh, speedrun has been beat yet again. 
Yeah, Cosmic took back uh, his title. The last we heard of this and we talked about was in episode 56, uh, Dig Dug Time Theory, if you want to go back and take a look at that episode. We talked about how Cosmic had taken back his record and now he took back his record again. And I think he beat it twice in one night and managed to get into the four uh, minutes and 55 seconds uh, time frame, which was thought to be pretty much impossible. Right. And the whole idea is the tool assistant run uh, isn't much uh, shorter than that. So we're really within reach of a human achieving uh, potentially the truest uh, best world record of all time. I still don't get speed running. Like I don't like understand the appeal of watching it too much. I know you love watching speed runs. I do. Whereas I like to watch more uh, retro game documentaries, which is something I've been binging on. Uh, for months and months now, uh, pretty much ever since you uh, turned me on to GameSack, I've like expanded <laughs> from like the GameSack friends. It's like this group of YouTubers that have, like they're all like not like the most subscribers, but they all have like anywhere from like ninety five k to like three or four hundred thousand subscribers, and they all make super high quality videos. And you wonder like it's it's passion projects for these people because they don't make that much money off of them. They just love oh, doing sure. this, and it's so amazing and interesting to see uh, these people. The thing that amazes me the most is a lot of these guys are married uh, and have wives that do not mind having an entire basement dedicated to retro games. That would not happen in my house. Yeah, exactly. Have you and your wife talked about that? About what would happen if you decided to take up the hobby? No, uh, she's much happier that I just uh, put it all into a tiny retro pie that she does not see. Double density. So let's end things here for the video game news of the week. Does that sound good for you, Angelo? Yeah, that, that's that's a good place to end. And I think going forward, we're in like, uh, like you said, prime video game time. Uh, this is the time of year where like I start playing games again. It's this is like from like May to July, May to, to August. I don't really play video games. because It's like summertime. Um, but now <laughs> and I your mom of, kicks you out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Go play outside. Uh, go mow the lawn, do things like that. But now is the time. And also, like, I just bought a new console with the Switch. So uh, I'm kind of excited about that. There's new Nintendo games and stuff. So we will be touching on video games from time to time. Uh, but with chapter markers, you could just skip over it if you don't like listening to it. We should make like a like a, like a a tape fast forwarding sound and just insert it here <laughs> yeah. uh, and get to like the, the other parts of the tech uh, section. Well, look, I'd like to think that the people who listen to this show like the same stuff as us. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people like this uh, talk about old video games. And if you don't, and if you do, let us know. Exactly. Let's use the power of the internet to find out whether or not people enjoy this. You can go ahead and tweet us at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. Head on over to double density on it. Click the contact button. Tell us retro video games, video game news, yay or nay. Uh, do you want more of it? Less of it? or about the same amount that you're getting right now with these episodes. Double Density presents The Three Titans. Welcome back to Double Density. Now, Angela, you wanted to talk about a very interesting uh, situation that you encountered uh, within the past week. 
so I get a text message from a friend of the show, Tyler Menard, and he says, hey, you want to try this walkie-talkie feature in watchOS 5? I hadn't even thought about that feature. I'd totally forgotten. And uh, he's like, I sent you an invite. I hadn't gotten the invite. It's weird because you kind of have to turn it on in the watch and go check and get the invite. It's a little buggy, I think, at this point. But I turned it on. And when you're in the app, you like touch your watch and you have a walkie-talkie. And it was really weird and sounded bizarre. And uh, Tyler's reaction was, why is this podcast guy coming out of my watch now? <laughs> that is like my worst nightmare that you follow me around yeah. with, with all of our tech devices and you just constantly ping me. Uh, have you and your wife talked about using the walkie-talkie feature? Well, the problem is, is uh, she has an old Series Zero watch, which does not get the update, unfortunately. Oh, okay, there you go. Process too slow, and uh, we're not in. She she doesn't want a new Apple Watch at all, so uh, we're not going to be using this feature between the two of us. The other thing that we found annoying, and then Tyler got back to me the next day asking, "Why is there a yellow dot on the top of my watch?" And it bothered me too that night, and I had to go in and I quit the app and I couldn't figure out what it was, but you have to go in and deactivate the walkie-talkie app or else it's always on and anybody could walkie-talkie you if you've uh, accepted them. So could you have multiple people walkie-talking you? Yes, uh, as long as you've accepted them. How do you fig- How do you differentiate that? I think it says they're walkie-talkie, like it says who's walkie-talking you. Okay. Like you can check to see. Uh, yeah, actually on the, bu- on the big yellow button uh, when I was talking to Tyler, it had a big TM on there for his uh, initials. And I'm wondering maybe if, because I don't have a, p- a picture of him in my in my phone, so I wonder if like the person's picture comes up too, if you have a picture of them. Well, it's time to test. You got to do more testing with Tyler here. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I think we both found the feature kind of annoying though, but. Uh, Go ahead and check out uh, uh, Tyler's podcast, right? Tyler and Alex's podcast, the RGB podcast. Go ahead and check that out. Yeah, good friends of the show. Uh, they're, they're taking a short little break right now because uh, Tyler just became a dad, uh, but I'm sure they'll be back soon. So there you go. Head on over to rgba.fm to check out uh, Tyler and Alex's podcast. And yeah, it is the most recent one. Episode 99. You're on there, Angela. How does that feel? Episode 99. Pretty cool. Uh, we're catching up to them, though. Episode 75 for us. Pretty exciting. That's true. Uh, let's talk about somber things, shall we? Yes. There's a, a new Recode.net uh, article all about how the gig economy is paying less and less. But I have to specify something really interesting. Uh, when we mean the gig economy, what I really mean um, specifically is the transportation economy. So uh, Uber and Lyft drivers are seen to be paying uh, are being paid out less and less in comparison to 2013. And uh, so there's a couple of really interesting factors. So uh, apparently, according to J.B. Morgan, there are several... Uh, theories as to why this is happening. So apparently drivers on average are working fewer hours. Uh, Demand hasn't increased to meet the increased number of drivers. Trip prices have fallen and platforms are paying drivers lower rates. Uh, So uh, with that in mind, uh, people who, for example, rent out their houses like Airbnb have seen a gigantic, almost 70% bump in how much they're making. The thing is with the Airbnb, do you still consider that a gig economy thing? You're not really doing anything i i I figured the definition of a gig economy is like something where like you're you're freelance and you do something based on uh using an app to interface with this work am i far off with that no i think i think an active part of doing something is i think more interesting in terms of how you'd accurately describe the gig economy right uh whereas you're i very much agree uh i mean and this is disputable uh though i agree with you in terms of like airbnb you're not really doing Anything. You're renting you become an innkeeper. Yeah, yeah. A landlord, two words, as it were. Did you hear about that, by the way? There was a National Post article about how a group in Hamilton, Ontario, wants to change the name landlord to rental housing providers, my friend, because landlord apparently has a bad stigma to it. 
It does, though, I guess. It makes you sound like you're lording over someone. But you kind of are. Uh, although some landlords can be pretty crummy. Yes. I've luckily had really great ones so far. Uh, but I... No, that's not true. My first landlord when I moved out uh, about 10 years ago was pretty bad. Uh, so, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Would you believe I've never had a landlord? Huge surprise here. Well, I mean, you are Italian, right? So culturally yeah. speaking, you stay with your parents until you get married. Yeah, exactly. And then my I moved in with my wife who had bought her own condo and now we have own a home. There we go. Uh, what a flowery ending. That, so you've never had to shop for yourself? What do you mean shop? No, I go to the grocery store all the time. No, I meant like like you, like you meals for one, for example. No, I've never, I've never had to worry about that. I've been, I've been pretty lucky and sheltered, I guess. I was going to say, I think the word is sheltered. And not had to work uh, for Uber or Lyft, which sounds like a really hard job. I do believe that of all the JP Morgan theories, the one about platforms paying drivers less is true. And also there are way more drivers now. Yeah, I don't, I've never actually taken an Uber or Lyft. Have you? No, actually. Never, ever have I taken an Uber or Lyft. I kind of have an aversion to the gig economy. We tried Uber Eats here once and I, I feel kind of bad um, using it, knowing how little these people make. It it is uh, kind of sad, and but you know they're they're working, they're getting some money for something. It's just I I feel this whole gig economy thing, um, sort of exploitive. Oh, uh, definitely. Are you kidding me? Like, there's a total lack of any sort of of resources for these people. There's no things like health insurance. There's no um, days off. You know, because it's work for hire. Also, fun fact: recode this article. Eighty five trackers on this article. <laughs> Only. It's a lot. It definitely is a lot. Anyway, it's part of the, that's part of the tech segment right there. Trackers, right there, yeah. They suck. <laughs> uh, moving things on to things that are just weird. Uh, there's an Engadget article about how people are pretending to be dead on Instagram. And I don't know how I feel about this, but I have several theories of my own. How's about you, Angelo? I don't have any theories. I just think kids like to do stuff with what's around. And when we were kids, you would call somebody and just hang up. There was no Star 69 when I was a kid. So you would just have fun with them. There were radio shows just calling in, saying Depenner over and over again, which is a uh, corner store here in Quebec. Oh, speaking of that, before I forget, um, one of the, so the reason I wanted to bring up the Uber slash Lyft article is because it was in the States recently. And every commercial break, there was an Uber commercial. Like what, to be a driver? or Yeah, so like there's this guy driving people around and then he's like, it was like you have the freedom to set your own hour. So literally the guy runs out of his car to catch his kid's like baseball game. Huh. Which I was just like, that's super sucky. Um, but the other thing that I want to bring up related to that is when I was in the States, I was listening to local radio because that's one of my favorite things to do is to check out like the weird local radio stations. And they had an actual trading post radio show. And what does that entail exactly? So a caller calls up and says, you know, I have a backhoe, uh, $300 firm. Here's my phone number. And the host would be like, okay, here's your phone number, blah, blah, blah. And then people would call these people ostensibly in order to buy these things. That is so strange. It was the best. It was the best. I could only do like 10 minutes before it became a little monotonous because it was all it was really, literally was like farming equipment and someone selling a, a high-end like a crossbow, but that's about it. It's like you discovered like a weird underground radio station. Yeah, except it's like right there and normal on the FM band. I do know a friend of mine was telling me because he lives uh, in the Yukon and they ha- that's very big there too, he was telling me. It's so strange that with everything available now to sell some stuff that you need to sell, people are resorting to like old school weird radio programs. Right, but I also think like it's, it's a segment of the population that's older, right? So it, they were all older, white-sounding male men. So Male men? 
male. <laughs> I realize that's a little <laughs> redundant. Uh, they're all older uh, men trying to sell their their tractor gear. Anyways, getting back to the matter at hand, kids are weird, Angelo. And I think that this article about kids pretending to be dead on Instagram is definitely, definitely, definitely an indicator of that. I worry about the children sometimes of this world. Uh, <laughs> it's such a strange thing to get attention. Uh, and you see some people basically saying, hey, can you put uh, rest in peace on my uh, Instagram post? It's like, so I get more likes or whatever. It is really, really weird. It's like it says, hey, guys, can you comment RIP in my most recent pic? Because I want my girlfriend to think I'm dead. My family and I recently moved and she wants to keep that relationship. I really want to move on. It was a toxic one. Wow. Uh, to everyone out there, go ahead and head over to Angelo's Instagram page and go ahead, comment RIP on there while you're at it. There's a great picture of me with uh, Super Mario. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the last known picture of Angelo Fiorentino. <laughs> but awful. yeah, I do think that like kids, uh, I do think you're right. Like they, they kind of amuse themselves with like what's around, right? Uh, and so uh, their brain's not fully formed as we've discussed actually a couple of times in the last couple of episodes. I feel like this is a recurring uh, kind of like uh, facet of what we talk about when we talk about tech. Uh, I do think both of those together definitely suggest some kind of uh, a boredom that leads to kids asking to get the words RIP or the letters RIP under their uh, pictures. Also, I'm not a kid, so please don't do that to my Instagram. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. That's please only don't. that's for children only. Yeah, yeah. Comment on my nice picture of me with a Mario stuffy, but uh, don't uh, put RIP. No good. Would you want to suggest a couple of like lines in there, like you know, like uh, uh, what a man child? Uh, what are you doing? Are you lonely? Are you alone? Why are you crying? Uh, things like that. I feel like are very. I appropriate think it's to- a really cute pic. Go take a look. <laughs> Yes, let's all go take a look at Angelo's Instagram page. But yeah, kids uh, doing whatever. If I were a child, like if I were a teen right now, I probably would be doing something weird like this. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, like I played that whole thing of uh, faking a radio call-in show like uh, two weeks ago or two episodes ago. Uh, This is completely within line with that. Well, you're an adult with a podcast about technology and the paranormal. So yes, you probably would be doing this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's only like a natural progression from like weird stuff on the internet to, uh, uh, for example, like I used to pretend to be Billy Corgan on a message board. Well, that's weird. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Of all people. Uh, (laughs) It's because there's this, and I I think I showed you this picture, but he is a huge cat fan and he's been on pause magazine before. Like, Oh yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. So, um, that's actually the second time he's appeared on there. And I used to make jokes and pretend to post as Billy and the cat would control me. And we talk about, you know, issues of the day, uh, through Billy and the cat. Uh, so clearly, uh, brain not fully formed late teens, Everything checks out here. This makes me think of how there's that theory that uh, Taylor Swift is like hardcore into 4chan and she had 4chan name her cat. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Uh, Here's a question for you, and I have an answer to this. And that is a really interesting theory, by the way. Just look it up. We're not going to talk about it here. We may bring it up one day. Didn't we? I thought we've already talked about it. Maybe we have, but just go look it up. Like, everything sort of lines up. Angela, here's my question for you. Has anything good ever come of 4chan? I don't know that much about 4chan, actually, other than what you've told me and uh, what I've looked into it for this show. But uh, no, it sounds pretty horrific. Uh, I went to go see a band last night called Zeal and Ardor. Uh, it's amazing. They mix old slave songs with black metal, and it actually is born of 4chan. So what had happened is that uh, the main songwriter had asked 4chan for two musical styles that usually wouldn't match up. And uh, they gave him, uh, in their own vulgar terms, uh, the ways in which they were describing the music. And um, so he decided to uh, best them and actually makes amazing music. So go to check that out. 
Okay, so something good has come of it. Yes, at least one thing. One thing, Angelo. One thing. Well, that makes me happy. Let's head on over to the paranormal section. Okay. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So first things on the docket this week is a very interesting uh, official CIA.gov link that you found of declassified CIA jokes about communist Russia. Or sorry, the USSR, I should say. It's really, really bizarre that this is the stuff the CIA is declassifying at this point. Um, Have they run out of things to declassify? Who knows? It's misinfo. Yeah, there's just really weird jokes there. They're all terrible, by the way. I'm going to read one if that's okay with you. That's fine by me. So this PDF runs two pages, right? And so most of these jokes are really bad. Uh, this is slightly less bad than all the other ones. So sentence from a schoolboy's weekly composition class essay. Quote, my cat just had seven kittens. They're all communist, end quote. Sentence from same boy's composition the following week. Quote, my cat's seven kittens are all capitalist, end quote. Teacher reminds boy that the previous week he had said the kittens were communist. Quote, but now they've opened their eyes, replied the child. That's the joke. Yeah. So <laughs> the, um, the CIA back then, uh, probably not now either, but uh, they were not uh, the uh, joking type. What I love about this, though, is that it really falls in line with the idea of uh, winning a war of hearts and minds, right? So <laughs> uh, this kind of falls right smack dab in the middle of the idea of trying to do this. Yeah, they. The, I wonder what kind of jokes they have now. Do they still do stuff like this? Is this passe? Or uh, do they still have weird stuff? Like, remember a few months ago, they had those weird uh, posters and stuff that they declassified? Oh, yeah. But those were internal, though. Those weren't, like, public-facing. Like, I feel like they were leafing, uh, like, <laughs> like, parts of the USSR with these. You think so? Well, why were these created, then? How would you broadcast these out? No, they were for internal use only. They were for fun, funs and giggles. So the name of the PDF is Soviet Jokes for the DDCI. And I looked up what the DDCI is, and it is a former post. It is the Deputy Director of Central Intelligence. So uh, that position was abolished in uh, 2004. But before that, clearly during uh, the Cold War, this was uh, in for internal use only. But I'd like to think that they tried to push these out to uh, f- uh, friendly foreign agents. <laughs> they probably just, to please the DDCI, made him some jokes. Uh, when he was upset at something so yeah, yeah we've got more we've got more jokes for you my friend don't get mad look i know we screwed up that mission but here's some jokes Did you hear the one about the kid with the seven kittens how and that raises a question that you brought up before like how many of these documents exist that we have no idea about like just perfectly weird mundane stuff that's the thing with these uh declassified uh documents and stuff they they they're rarely satisfying and either lead to disappointment or more questions they're literally letting everything hang out now i think well look my favorite one uh is one that like people were waiting on with bated breath and that was uh declassification of anything to do with the roswell crash and when that happened uh and they revealed it to be like the mogul balloon uh, nobody believed it 
so like right. they declassified it, and then because they didn't like the answer, was they're like, nah, 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 nah. It's just well, a no. Cover they up. don't like it's. It's not the answer. It's an answer. Let's like let's get that out of the way. We're gonna play this game right now. So okay, so we're gonna argue about this now. I like well, I, I truly think the, the Roswell crash was nothing more than this mogul balloon. It seemed really advanced for sure for the farmers that found it, uh, but yeah, this is they declassified it. They said it was this, and then nobody was happy because they wanted it to be aliens, even though it wasn't. Well, they also had like fifty years to make up their minds on what it was. So I think that like that's a bit of a problem. Well, if it yes. was a weather balloon, why not just state it right out of the fact, like right out of the gate? Well, because the weather balloon they were using was classified. It was spying on on the Soviets when they weren't busy uh, making jokes about them. Well, on in U.S. airspace, though? Yeah, because it could hear from far away. I'm not buying this. I'm not buying. I, I'm not sure what happened in Roswell, but I'm really, really, really not sure it was a weather balloon project. But I thought I, Mogul wasn't a weather balloon. Mogul was something to do with spying on the Soviets, if I'm right. Uh, but what I'm saying is like the weather balloons themselves is what they were, debris from weather balloons. Yeah, but they are highly advanced weather balloons. Right. Sentient weather balloons. Drones, yes. if you will. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're going to head and link to a uh, article in the show notes all about uh, the Roswell Incident Project Mogul. Uh, go ahead, read it if you haven't done it yet. Uh, yeah, this it's, news it's from is, Psychop, so it has a, a very hardcore skeptical uh bent because it's literally from skeptical inquire yeah and <laughs> yeah. did you know i like i remember this happening not that long ago but no this was declassified and talked about in 1995 yeah like prime uh, uh when conspiracy culture is really like truly in the limelight right like you had your x-files you had your richard belzer you know it was also harder to come across this stuff like the internet was in its infancy so you couldn't just hey let me wikipedia that or go online and uh, listen to uh, a three-hour podcast about this or watch a video on YouTube. No, this, like, you had to actually dig for this stuff. So it was kind of interesting that uh, it was a big announcement on the news. I kind of remember it, but I remember it not being this long ago. But I no, guess it, time it, yeah. is flying by as we careen towards our deaths. Time is all really uh, a relative phenomenon that we've all agreed to, right, as a construct? Um, perhaps it's a theory of relativity. <laughs> perhaps perhaps it is uh yeah i don't know i'd like to hear what everyone thinks about roswell uh, i know that uh, rob from our strange guys is refusing to cover roswell we should uh, have him on the show just to talk just about, to talk about it yeah just but just specifically about it. the balloons not about anything else we'll invite him here to talk about video games and then just uh harass him into talking about roswell Oh yeah, well, like we'll wear him down. This will be a ninety-five minute episode of like forty minutes of which are just us trying to figure out how to get at him about talking about the Waswell Project Mogul balloons. Yes. So you actually do believe that they're balloons? Are there any other like conspiracy theories out there that you believe were like the most mundane um, conspiracy theory is like the right one, or not even conspiracy theory, but conspiracy fact? Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy. Okay. Nothing else. It was just him. One guy. Uh, was it a lucky shot? Maybe, but it was a good shot. And but uh, what about the bouncing bullet theory? It's just all physics. The zigzag makes no sense. No, no, it's all fine. Also, the Zapruder film kind of disproves that. It's either him or uh, the driver, right? Right. I mean, and we've talked about this before, but Jim Moore's crossfire kind of uh, covers all of the bases there about all the possible players. And I actually believe that there's more at hand than just Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, you can talk to Bill Cooper about it. You know what? I'm going to send you a copy of Crossfire. I want you to read it. Okay. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're making me do this on the air. Yes. Well, we talked about earlier today, or earlier today, we talked about the idea of a UFO, uh, not a UFO book club, but like just a book review segment. Right. And I do think that like, 
it'd be a good idea. Uh, maybe we'll start with a tech book. Maybe after that, we'll do a quick paranormal book. But yeah, I do believe that it's time for us to ascend into uh, like a read along. Like we, we tell people what we're about to read, let them know, and then they join in. Well, there's a good tech book that recently came out about Apple. So maybe we can talk about that. Oh, all right. That sounds like a lot of... Or a technical manual for <sighs> like DOS 5.0. Or we could go grab like a Super Nintendo manual and read through it. I have a uh, Nintendo tips and tricks book on my shelf. Do you, wanna, you should rank them in order of usefulness. Yeah, it's like... Per game. And it's a weird variety of games in it. No matter what, we can't escape talking about video games here, right? no. I guess. No, no. but uh, we were talking about Rob. He brought us up uh, a weird link today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so famed psychic Edgar Casey's life is going to be turned into a musical uh, at Virginia, in Virginia, at Virginia Beach Theater, uh, which I think is just... Uh, interesting, weird, fine with me. I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. Yeah, people with like Broadway experience are working on this thing. Yeah, yeah. And is it going to like show like how he was a liar and stuff? Because he was. I don't know how. Like, it, would it be like the fantastical kind of like aspect of what he knew? Sort of like a, a fun, lighthearted poke at like who he was, a dark and depressing uh, sort of opus about his sad life. Was it a sad life? I thought he lived a decent life. No, I I, I just meant like if you uh, believe him to be a man of hoaxes. I have always wondered about Edgar Casey. The first time I heard about him was in that Ancient Prophecies show, movie, whatever that was on NBC in like the mid 90s. Um, again, primetime conspiracy uh, stuff where you'd be left with all these questions about... Um, th- that's the first time I heard about like the Mayan... Uh, Prophecy and Edgar Casey and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, I think we've talked about this show before. You can definitely find the whole thing on YouTube. Just look up uh, Ancient Prophecies uh, and you'll see this stuff. There's a thing about Edgar Casey there. And I'd never heard of him, but he said, you know, he discovered where, when Atlantis would come right, out. Yeah, and that was, was one totally of his bigger wrong. claims, yeah. Um, lots, all these claims, none of them ever came to be unless you like work really hard at like trying to connect the dots. Like uh, a certain friend with the big long beard uh, who likes to talk about Nostradamus and sort of looks like Nostradamus and talking keeps saying that about. his prophecies are going to happen. And he's been saying that for the last 30 years. And he's talking always wrong. Mr. Hogue. Mr. Hogue. Yes, our friend John Hogue. He was uh, actually he, one of the people I was going to because my question to you is like, if there are any uh, features or like persons who are deserving of a uh, musical based on their lives <laughs> and exploits, like who would it be? You think John Hogue deserves a musical? I just think it'd be great. It'd mostly be about his beard. Yeah, it just as it grows from his life, when he's 15, he's just starting to grow a beard. Uh, I, you know, it would be amazing if he listens to this podcast. If he likes, you know, we put it in the tags, John Hogue, and then he loves like a quick search for himself and Double Density episode 75 comes up or one of our previous episodes <laughs> where we talk about him comes up and he's like, hey, uh, I need to talk to those guys about how cool I am. And then he comes on our show and he uh, forces us to refer to him as a scholar because he likes to do that. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's a uh, musical based on the Mothman. I think I vaguely know that. Uh, so now our podcast is devolving into uh, video games and musicals. Correct. Yes. We are just uh, very awkward uh, theatrical teens. Uh, you still haven't given me a good answer about who you'd have as a, a, a subject of a musical. For a uh, paranormal, um, I would say uh, the Warrens would make a great uh, musical. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah sing and dance and uh of course we'd get pa- patrick wilson to reprise his role 
He seems like a song and dance band. Check this out. I got this for you. Ready for this? Okay. A musical based on Skinwalker Ranch, right? So uh, Bob oh, Bigelow is, and, and, but it's like a fun, whimsical one, right? So like Robert Bigelow is like the, the, like the ringleader and he's always like going out and like having like these fantastic adventures with his dark creatures and they're all like singing and dancing together in groups and there's like different kinds of them and there's like shadow people. Uh, just think about it, okay? I'd love to see the um, scene where there's that hippie guy that comes and uh, meditates on the ranch and then the <laughs> predator guy shows up. Right. That'd be pretty, pretty cool. I feel like there's some potential here for the Skinwalker Ranch, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I don't know how you go about um, buying uh, the life rights to <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch uh, and Bob Bigelow, but like maybe there's something to be said about that. Who could play Bob Bigelow? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that, that is actually kind of really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just picture him singing and dancing along with all these creatures. Huh. See, I told you. Sometimes I have good ideas. Uh, I would also suggest, uh, and this is something that our friends at Not Alone and Our Strange Guys are covering, but the Ed Walter saga. I feel like Ed, Waddle, Ed oh, Walters yes. would make a good subject. Like, really, like, honky-tonk country kind of guy. Yeah, some good uh, Florida music. Does Florida have its own music? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's weird, really- right? Because he was like a, actually, uh, I learned this recently, again, on Not Alone and Our Strange Guys did a great uh uh, collaboration on this but he was like a good businessman yeah uh, it's also pronounced businessman businessman yeah correct i'm teaching you how to spell things and enunciate it properly here on this episode of uh, subsequent subsequent sub nuclear or nuclear nuclear what about betty and barney hill would that make a good musical well they made a movie but i'm talking about like a musical here i could see that okay well there's a lot of really good abductions that would make it's true. a great musical it's true uh, uh, it could be kind of fun to see a Rendlesham Forest kind of thing. Soldiers dancing in formation. Uh, no, that's too serious. Too <laughs> serious. No, that wouldn't work. Uh, what about the life and times of the Chupacabra, my friend? Huh. Goat Sucker the musical. See, I'm telling you, it writes itself. Like, it would begin, like, because, like, let's just get real weird with it right now, right? So it begins with Earth-like men of an alien race shuttling the Chupacabra to Earth, right? And that's kind of like the the sort of like the beginning of the story and then Chupacabra is lonely and he needs to eat. And then he, you know, sucks the blood out of goats and cows and things like that. And then he uh, befriends like a, a drifter and him and the drifter have like this weird friendship. And then the Chupacabra dies of old age. That sounds like it would be as successful as uh, Spider-Man, the musical. And it would cost a way less to make. And yeah. <laughs> I'm not letting Bono get involved. No, of course not. I do believe we've ended up uh, sort of like a natural end to the episode here of uh, Double Dancy, if you'd agree with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We uh, we kind of went a little nutty this one, but I had a lot of fun, Brian. Me too. Uh, so this has been it for episode 75 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we begin part one of a seven-part series on third wave ska music. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. See you folks next week. See ya. Bumper. Bumper. Ah. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, all right. You know, when we kids, when, when we kids, when we were kids, we'd call. <laughs> we kids. We children, fellow children, fellow kids. You're just playing that up to add it to the bloopers. Yeah, I am actually.